The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week 12 edition of A Good Football Show. I am Patrick Darty. Joined today by Denny Carter. We're coming at you a day early this week because I don't know we if are. you've heard about this little thing called Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Schedule's a little different. We're doing this show today. We're doing a Thanksgiving preview slate on Tuesday, previewing the rest of the week 12 slate on Wednesday. So things are just a little bit different, but you're going to get all the same content from us. Today, Denny, I'm going to be talking all the biggest news of the week, Seahawks' struggles, mm-hmm. the Cowboys' receiver injuries, Titans' collapse. Then very, uh, we've been planning this segment for a really, really long time. Uh, we are going to redraft the first five rounds of 2021 fantasy drafts. We didn't come up with this three minutes before the show started, <laughs> and it's going to be it's going to be a real treat. We've been putting research into this for just months. It was months. it was not three minutes. It was more like six minutes. Yeah, it's know, true. That's fair. true. I guess we're, we're we're planners. We're big planners. And but first, something I have been planning on for several weeks, Denny, is it is Thanksgiving. Everyone in the audience wants to know. Everyone on Twitter, everyone in the White House, everyone in the Senate, everyone in the European Union, yes, uh, all the world around wants to know. Uh, basically, what are your worst Thanksgiving takes? Because we know, oh yeah, it's not a matter of if you have bad yeah. Thanksgiving takes, but how many bad Thanksgiving takes that you have. I, I have to thank Thanksgiving for uh, helping me. Uh, you know, gain attention as a bad take haver uh, on, 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 on Twitter. A long Not time surprised ago. to hear that. 10 years ago, I, I said, you know, I'll let you, please, if you're going to sip coffee during this segment, you might, you might want to like cover your computer because okay. it could okay. be an issue. But I said that corn is the best, is the best Thanksgiving, uh, you know, best part of Thanksgiving food wise. In like what way? Corn, just like corn. You mean like a uh, like a shock of corn, like uh, just uh, whether it's on the cob, whether it's not on the cob, just give me some corn. It's not even a staple of Thanksgiving. I mean, I think I've had corn at Thanksgiving. You, I don't. I don't think what? it's just like set out on the table though. It's more of like what? a summer dish, Denny. Uh, I, I've never... maize, maybe maize. You know, like I mean, maize is corn, but you know, you know, celebrate some of our Native American heritage with some some maize. I, but I didn't well, think really corn was a big part of the holiday. Uh, well, I apparently not in your uh, household, perhaps, but uh, it it has been on my table for basically my whole life. Also, uh, stuffing is underrated, severely underrated. Oh, I thought you were say overrated because it is like maybe the most overrated thing on the planet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anything but turkey is is good. That is the thing, and the the, the crazy part is that's not even really a hot take from you. I mean, Something just like around America, like around our dinner tables, around our water coolers. You know, here's me standing. I've stood at a water cooler with coffee before, obviously. obviously. Um, yes. <laughs> and it's one of those things. Everyone's like, you know, like turkey's just kind of bad, isn't it? And yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, you know. It's uh, it's not good. It's not good. Sorry. I mean, I, I guess if you drown it in, uh, in, in gravy, then yeah, I guess. I mean, I know people put like cranberry sauce on it, which is just horrific. Sorry. The problem, like the problem is like turkey's always so dry. It's like yeah. it was like sent over on like a two month voyage with like <laughs> the British army when they're like invading the country in like the 18th century. Like it's been like it's like salt pork or something basically. It's like <laughs> why is turkey always so dry? I mean, this bird was probably slaughtered, you know, like a couple weeks ago. It's been preserved well but not like like 
I don't understand why it's always so, 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 so dry. And, and, and I, I can anticipate the pushback here and the pushback will be, Pat, you just haven't had good turkey. I know. You, you got to get my aunt to cook it for you. You got to try my mom's cooking, my dad's, my uncle's, whatever. Bad, like, bad, bad. bad. <laughs> like, like, no, no. I've had many kinds of turkey for Thanksgiving. Uh, it cooked by all sorts of, of people who, who mean well, you know, and it and it comes out and it's dry. Sorry. You know, it's uh, and, and yes. And our producer, Johnny, says uh, uh, turkey got the tryptophan. It has a tryptophan, which makes you sleepy. And I didn't believe that until one day when I was a kid, I, I looked around and every male member of my family was asleep on couches and, and chairs while we watched a, a Dallas game. So I, I, I believe that the tryptophan does really I don't in. think it's a trip. I think it's the beer lobby who wants you to think that it's not the two and a half beers. Cause you know, we're in our mid thirties now, like two or three beers. You know, I just fall asleep. Oh, sure. I just oh, instantly yeah. fall asleep. Like right, right. Where, wherever I stand, <laughs> like, the second I consume like, half of my third beer, I just pass out uh, where I stand and yep. the night is over. Yeah. Right. Right. Even if you intend to, to finish that third beer and maybe have another one, it still, it just doesn't work. Like no. that's, that's happened to me since I've had kids is I'll be like, now it's time to drink some beer on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and so, well, I mean, barely finished two and i'm like okay well i'm done i don't even usually drink on thanksgiving i just like dial in on the football and kind of go all in on we were talking before the show but pecan pie or sometimes pumpkin pie i kind of just go all in and like that, that's honestly that's what thanksgiving has become to me kind of just like enduring the main dishes and then getting to the pie basically and pie don't even, i'm gonna eat the turkey but uh, I'm just like, when's the pie hit? Basically, that's what uh, I take. Can I can I ask what time do you usually eat Thanksgiving meal, dinner, whatever you're going to call it? I would say it's usually right as the Dallas Cowboys are getting their backs broken in the third quarter. Oh, um, so that's about five thirty Central Time. I'd say usually five thirty or six. We're kind of on the later side. All right, then I I guess maybe I'm in the minority here because I have had Thanksgiving dinner as early as kickoff for the lions game what yes <laughs> yeah i know i mean like we're sitting down like ready with our plates at 12 it starts 12 30 12 it starts 12 30 eastern uh tim boyle andy dalton get get your turkey ready and yeah and and i'm like wait is this dinner what are we doing later for food because i'm i'm gonna be hungry and of course you can have leftovers or whatever but you're just you're so thrown off at that point you eat it you eat dinner dinner at 12 it's you know it's it's lunch so yeah. you feel like you're having a fourth meal at some point no yeah we're, we're, we we always go closer to conventional dinner time and yeah i always miss so that you know, you miss like Robert Griffin the third's like fifth touchdown against the Cowboys. Then when yeah. you do that, but that. that's the price you pay. Uh, anyways, we'll have we're probably gonna be uncorking lots of bad Thanksgiving takes throughout the week. We got three <laughs> shows. We got plenty of time to alienate every single listener. Oh, it was alienated every single viewer these past two weeks. Denny is Russell Wilson. Oh yes, he has zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and thirteen total points in two games since returning. He's lost to Aaron Rodgers on one day's rest. Uh, he's lost to Colt McCoy at home. A Joe fan, a longtime Seahawks observer, kind of like made the observation everyone's thinking that this felt like the end of an era type loss for the Seahawks. And yeah, Denny, is this the death rattle basically of this era of Seahawks football? Yeah, I mean, you know, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson put on a happy face after getting, you know, drubbed by the Colt McCoy led. Cardinals. Colt McCoy threw for 328 yards. That, that doesn't happen. He, I, I saw the thing you retweeted yesterday. He he literally turns into Steve Young yes, yes. when he put when he faces Seattle. I mean, how? How can that happen anyway? That's yeah. a very jokerified Seahawks follower, by the way, named John Benny. He's okay. a lot of good Seahawks tweets. Yeah. I mean, it I, I can see why someone would be jokerified. The the Seahawks had no business looking that bad at home against a Kyler Murray-less, DeAndre Hopkins-less Arizona team that, you know, moved the ball at will on the ground, through the air, to the tight end, to the wide receiver. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. So, yeah, it felt it felt end of an era-ish. And, and I mean, for, for fantasy purposes, I hope it is. Yeah, and, like, you know, it's sad. It's always kind of bitter when these things end, too. But I, mean, I was thinking about this. It's yeah, I don't like seeing like Russell Wilson, like Pete Carroll, like a loggerheads. It's like kind of seeing like your grandpa and your brother 
like upset <laughs> at each other. Mm-hmm. It's just like, why can't you guys just get along? But yeah. you know, th- this has lasted. This coach quarterback relationship has lasted you know, 99.99999 percent longer than like of all the coach quarterback relationships in NFL history. Yeah, like these things has happened. This has run its course clearly because you know, like I wrote this in my article, and I'm going to share my same old joke, like. You know, like sometimes some people like the old trope, like have a kid to save the marriage. Uh, The the kid to save the marriage was Shane Waldron, you know, like the Sean McVay disciples play caller. And it's just made absolutely zero difference. No, it didn't. It made the problem is probably Pete Carroll. And it probably needs to be Pete. Um, You know, he needs like a sunset college job or just, you know, he, 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 this has been one of the best runs of the 21st century for any coach. Like, Pete Carroll true thing gets like way out of control. Like he's an elite all time great coach, but he's just, he's just seems out of gas, out of steam with this era of Seahawks football. And yeah, it's time, it's time for a parting. And yeah, I mean, we're still, are we still trusting DK Metcalf as a wide receiver one? Are we still trusting Tyler Lockett as a wide receiver two? Or is it so dire that even that we like, you know, we dock them down to like wide receiver two, wide receiver three. You know, you're, you're, you're starting them. You know, and especially, you know, in 12 team formats, like you drafted them, you probably don't have a better option on your bench. So you're starting them, but like expectations, I think we talked about this last week after Russell Wilson's, you know, horrific game against Green Bay. That was uh, an all time bad performance. It's really <laughs> bad. I, I, I had that game for blurbing purposes and, and, uh, you know, throws to the perimeter throws downfield they fluttered they did they they, they didn't he was just inaccurate yeah he was just straight up inaccurate didn't look right i haven't seen yesterday's game yet so i don't really know how he even looked on sunday but just horrifyingly inaccurate in week 10 five rushing attempts over these two games by the way for russell wilson so he's not you know he has very little path a very narrow path to uh you know fantasy production to decent fantasy production but that's not necessarily new when you when when i think about it you know last year um especially down the stretch well during this during that bad stretch on the second half of last year his only blow up games or not even blow up but like solid games came when he had a touchdown spike it wasn't yardage spike it wasn't a rushing spike it was True. just, hey, he threw four touchdowns against the Jets or whatever. Which he did, and, like, yeah, like every time he had a good matchup, basically. Right. Oh, and, right. Uh, and, but, but that, that, that volume based production that we got, you know, got spoiled with, honestly, in the first half of 2020, that's nowhere to be seen. It never returned. Uh, they still want to establish. They still, Pete Carroll still talks about establishing the run after every loss. <laughs> <He does. laughs> it's, it's so, it's, it's so repetitive and depressing. Just, just get it over with. Honestly. Yeah. It's time to establish the DJ Dallas. Uh, real the final question on this topic is he gets Russell Wilson. He gets your beloved football team on Monday night football <laughs> next week. So Denny, yeah, by the way, you can't blurb the football team game this week. Uh, will Russell Wilson be a QB one against the football team in week 12? No, 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 no. Oof, man, really? Man. No, yeah. That's... Yeah. I, and I think you, you gotta, you gotta figure out something if you're a, a Russell Wilson drafter. I mean, you know, that it's in one quarterback leagues, you, you can find a better, a better option. I, I, I truly believe that. And yes, I'm sure in your league, everybody rosters four yeah. quarterbacks. <laughs> And there's nobody, and, and Russell Wilson. You had to take Russell Wilson in the second round or something. But but you know, in a in a regular <laughs> in a regular league, you can do better. There's only two teams on by, so there will be some streamer options this week. Uh, another guy you might need to stream for is Ryan Tannehill. The Titans finally completed the offensive collapse they'd kind of low key been working on since Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry got injured. They committed five turnovers. They scored 13 total points against arguably the worst team in the league and the Texans. Tannehill has only five touchdowns, total touchdowns in three games since Derrick Henry's injury. And he suddenly has only one more passing touchdown than interception on the season. Denny, with Julio Jones out on injured reserve, A.J. Brown banged up. Are things going to get worse? but they get better for this Titans offense? And, yes, Ryan Tannehill – he kind of like artificially emerged, I feel like, on the QB1 streamer radar, like his rushing touchdowns over the past month. But can we really be treating this guy as like QB1 adjacent right now? No. And I mean, when an offense loses its centerpiece, like the whole Titans offense was based around having Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry's unique ability 
to have explosive runs and consistent runs in in any game script. And when you when you take that away, you're left with a quarterback who before Derrick Henry was looking more like, you know, backup material than he was starter. Yes. You know, starter starter worthy along with a, a, a terrible core of rece- of pass catchers. Uh, AJ Brown is constantly hurt. He, every time he goes out into a pass route, he hurts another body part. Julio Jones is out. I mean, they, Marcus Johnson hurt his hamstring. Even he's hurt. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeff Swaim is hurt. The, right. Ferk Daddy can't get involved. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's really uh, abysmal right now for the Tennessee offense. Well, the thing with Tannehill is like, why a, a dumb, like, unhinged fan rant I go on fairly often on Twitter is like, there are certain quarterbacks, like, why would you ever respect a play fake from Ryan Tannehill? Like it's Ryan Tannehill. Like who cares to sell out and blow him up? Like if, if it's, you get fooled and give up a big play, like once a game, like whatever. But like when I see Ryan Tannehill play action, I'm like, just hammer him. Like who cares? Like it's Ryan Tannehill <laughs> blow him up. And I, that does happen. Sometimes teams actually do sell out against the play fakes against the Titans sometime. And I feel like that's going to really be a theme without Derrick Henry. Because as we know, it's been pretty well established. You don't actually need an effective running game to have effective play action. But I mean, you definitely you'd much rather be doing yeah. play action with Derrick Henry as your running back right, than right. whatever the Titans are doing right now, Dontrell Hilliard or something. Um, yeah. So yeah. amazing. Sell out. My, my message leads to sell out against these play fakes. Like just hammer him. You sound um, like you sound like someone who doesn't have Ryan Tannehill rostered in your most important. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. I do not. I've, <laughs> I've been a lifelong Tannehill truther. And yeah. Denny, I, I know the answer. So you don't have to scramble to look this up if you don't know. Do you know what the Titans' Week Twelve opponent and situation is? No, I don't. They, they are going to New England. Oh yes, I did know so, that. Uh, good. I, I would Great. say uh, I, I'm a little more borderline than you. I would maybe still rank Russell Wilson as the QB one. I will not be ranking Ryan Tannehill as a QB. The Patriots have another 25-point defensive performance. I know, yes. And yeah, you're going to get their point differential up to plus 482, even though they're only 8-4 and or whatever. And Bill, all I can think of with the Patriots this year is, you know, the Breaking Bad meme. Like, Bill Belichick can indeed keep getting away with this, folks. He still, yes. I I have come to accept, it, it hurts, but I have come to accept the fact that the Patriots will defeat the Bucks in the Super Bowl this year. I know, no, no, no. It's going to be the Eagles. That's the that's what I'm going back on now. You know, <laughs> 489 combined rushing yards in the Super Bowl. It's going to be 13 to 10 final. And oh uh, I, I just Bucks Patriots. I would be honestly all about that. Yeah, it would be great. I mean, they should have won the pa- the Patriots should have beat them in Week Four. They should have beat the Cowboys too. They yeah. should be like nine and two. Um, real quick, I mean, AJ Brown, by the way, against the Patriots, are we going to have him in the top 12 at receiver? No, I mean, close, close. I, you know, I, I I know I'm not calling anybody injury prone. If he plays, he'll probably get a lot of targets, even though, you know, Belichick is famous for shutting down your most dangerous weapon. And I I think AJ Brown is their most dangerous weapon. He is. Um, so, you know, I, 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 but, but, you know, I, I don't think in redraft, DFS is a whole different thing, but like in redraft, like, yeah, you're, you're still rolling them out. You're not happy at all about it. In fact, you're extremely unhappy about it. If you're looking for reasons for AJ Brown optimism, he's one of those guys where there he, he's one of he's like kind of the ultimate player where like he goes into a week where it seems like it's a bad setup. Like, gosh, yeah. it feels like he's been hurt for two right. weeks. Like this is a bad matchup. And then he has like 167 yards. So. AJ Brown has never delivered on a good matchup. That is, that per, is, a, that is a fact. Actually. That is per <laughs> my frustrated brain right now that he is every time he's in a blow up spot, he has two catches for 11 yards. That That is, that is big facts right there. CD <laughs> uh, lamb concussed in yesterday's really, really disappointing loss for the Cowboys in Kansas city. He almost impossible for him to get cleared in time for Thanksgiving. I think, I can think of one time during my time at NBC Sports Edge where someone got cleared in a short week, and I, I wasn't sure how it was even possible. But that's literally one time in 10 years I think it's happened. You can basically consider CeeDee Lamb out for Thanksgiving. We know for a fact unvaccinated Amari Cooper is out for Thanksgiving. By the way, the Cowboys play on Thursday again in week 13. They do that every year. They have two teams to play on Thanksgiving, play on the follow, following Thursday, so they're on full rest. But Amari Cooper is going to be up against it to get cleared, even for that game. 
So a very fateful decision yes. by Mari Cooper that's to not a, get the jab. That's an interesting, um, an interesting one. To it was an interesting one. And so Denny, where are we at with the Cowboys pass catchers heading in this matchup with the Raiders where Cedric Wilson, Malik Turner, Noah Brown is someone I'm told uh, catches passes for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what this question is. This, what is the state of the Cowboys <laughs> pass catchers heading into Thanksgiving against the Raiders? All right. All right. Now, I, I don't think it's as bleak for fantasy purposes as as uh, you may think. So Michael Gallup's going to see double digit targets. I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in that. Oh, that's been a motif now since he entered the league. And I feel like it never happens. But I he, he saw he saw double digit against Kansas City. Did he really? All right. And, and he, he was he was out targeting Lamb by a good a good margin before. Lamb exited with that concussion uh, at halftime. So anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, he's the unquestioned number one pass catcher this week if Lamb is out. By the way, I think it was Devontae Adams who 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 cleared the protocol. In, oh, yeah, that's short, right. It was not week. clear. Was that some sort of technicality? I, I, I don't uh, understand. I didn't I even think, think that was possible. I think it I, was. So I don't want to tell people it's 100% impossible because we, we both know it's happened, but – it's highly, highly unlikely. I think the doctor's final question in to clear the concussion protocol is, how important are you to your offense? Yeah, that and might have been it. <laughs> if, if the answer is very important, then they're like, okay, you're cleared. You are uh, cleared. I've uh, never seen a better baseline test than this in all my life, Devontae. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep your eyes closed because the light sensitivity will ring. Yeah, oh, no. I'm sorry. We're making fun of a not funny thing. Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown each ran 31 routes against Kansas City, the second most among receivers behind only Gallup. Cedric Wilson had seven targets, caught four of those, but had two unbelievably bad drops. And I know that that does not sound like an endorsement of Cedric Wilson. Does but not. He, but his game against Kansas City could have looked a lot better in the box score, which, of course, is the only thing that matters. Uh, if, if he had held on to those, because they were both downfield, they both would have been significant, uh, ch- you know, chunk plays. So, I, I think Cedric Wilson becomes interesting. I, I don't know about Noah Brown, but I, I know Cedric Wilson becomes interesting alongside Gallup. The issue here is: Will the Cowboys throw a single pass against the run funnel Raiders? <laughs> I mean, people are asking. People they, are wondering. They could run the ball forty-five <laughs> times against Vegas. I guess the good news, quote unquote, for like. Cowboys like pass catcher Desperados Ezekiel Elliott did like turn his ankle pretty badly against the Chiefs. He stayed in the game, but I wonder how much work he'll really be able to handle on a short week against the Raiders. Uh, you you laid it out well. I mean, I think obviously Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson you can probably rely on for six to seven targets at least. But beyond that, I think the funnel the funnel down will be more like Tony Pollard. And Dalton Schultz than like the the, the backup wide receivers who you know, they're going to be looking for reasons not to target, and probably a very very safe seven to eight target floor for Dalton Schultz. Hopefully more work for Tony Pollard. Um, so I agree with you actually that two like superstars out for the Cowboys, but definitely not as bleak. It's yeah. not it's not like we're getting Dak Prescott out of the top ten bleak or anything like that. He'll still have enough places to funnel quality targets to. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Thanks for mentioning Schultz. Uh, our researcher Johnny says it mentions that the Vegas defense has been very generous uh, to tight ends, allowing the sixth most yards to tight ends and the third most receptions. Uh, so it is it is a nice spot for Schultz. I think if Lamb is out, and of course Cooper's already out, that uh, he would function probably as the number two pass catcher uh, ahead of Cedric Wilson. I agree with that take, and yeah. So Dalton Schultz. Uh, tight end one overall, I think, is what we're trending towards here for week 12. The Eagles cleared 200 yards rushing for the third time in four games on Sunday, pulverizing the Saints. Even as they lost Jordan Howard to a knee injury early in the second half, uh, Miles Sanders kept fumbling. You know, Only one of them showed up in the box score, but he, he fumbled inside his own 10-yard line, and he fumbled again inside his own 10-yard line, and they claimed that his forward progress was stopped. Mm-hmm. wasn't really that great of a call. Uh, but Jordan Howard's out. They kept going to him. He had 16 carries for 94 yards and just returned from an ankle injury. It's a tough run defense. And Denny, the Eagles' schedule now down the stretch. There's a bye week mixed in here, but this is the Eagles' next five games at the Giants, at the Jets, versus the football team, versus the Giants, at the football team. 
Uh, are we going to get uh, – this is – I don't even know what we're going to talk about that, here. Are we going to get 200 rushing yards every week, basically, from this Eagles offense? If if the Eagles can establish and can run this, this super run-heavy offense, they're going to do it every single week. Like, um, Nick Sirianni – for as as much as I uh, maybe ragged on the guy, uh, we may have said some unkind things, Nick. Yeah. Uh, we didn't. We didn't. I mean, we were just, we were just joking around, Nick. Mostly, it was about his his hokey t shirts that he would wear um, before a game. But you know, he's he's leaned into his personnel finally. Um, I think we were talking. I think way back in June about Nick Sirianni saying basically, my system is my system. If Jalen Hurts fits it, that's great. Yes. If not, we'll see. I don't know. Um, and that 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 raised some you know alarms. You know, we talked. Will Will Jalen Hurts? How many How many starts will Jalen Hurts get? That 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 was a legit question back in the summer. Obviously, he's going to get all of them if he's healthy. But that's only because Nick Sirianni has finally leaned into what he has with with Hurts. So just just as, as an example, this domination of, of the Saints defense and the Saints, by the way, went into Week Eleven with one of the league's best run defenses, okay? Uh, Philadelphia rushed 50 times and threw 24 passes against the Saints. Sanders had 16 rushes. Howard had 10. (laughs) Hertz had 18, 18 rushes. The Eagles over the season have a 52% pass rate, which is one of the lowest in the league. Uh, In the last, well, I'm sorry, since week eight, Philadelphia has a 32% pass rate. We're talking... We're talking throwback to like 1962 here, the way that they're running. We're, we're talking winning football, Denny. Notice the, we are, and and I'm <laughs> I'm upset. I'm upset that <laughs> they. I'm upset because they're gonna they are gonna keep getting away with it against they the individual too. And yeah, the Saints, but they ended Week 11 allowing far and away the fewest rushing yards in the entire league. So by yardage, the Saints were the number one run. De- they probably still are the number one run defense in the entire NFL. And that's the, and I don't know. If people listening may have heard this crazy stat already. It's been making the rounds. In the past six years, the the Saints have allowed two 200 yard rushing performances, and both were in the past two years against the Jalen Hurts led Eagles. Yeah, um, amazing. So they've got yeah. something something special now, cooking here. You know, be, between the success of the Philadelphia rushing attack and the the failings and the shortcomings of the Kansas City and Buffalo passing attacks. We are we are set uh, for you know for a, a, a stone age of uh, a, of football coming up where teams are going to try to emulate a massively run heavy offense and get away from this the pass heavy stuff that the Chiefs and Bills have done over the past few years. Well, don't forget about the Patriots there too, and don't forget about the 49ers who have been like eagle eaglesing very hard over the past two weeks. But yeah, you, we've got several teams. Like doing like legit seventies ball, yeah. Uh, kind of beginning with the Ravens the past few years, and now lots of people following in their footsteps. I mean, the Niners, the Niners wish they were the Eagles. Let's they do. Be honest. But, Come yeah. on, they were. I gotta, I gotta. It's a mea culpa, real quick. I may have on several podcasts last week uh, talked about my uh, my belief that the Jacksonville Jaguars would cover against the, uh, <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers. and uh, I may have even said outright. I may have used the words yeah. outright and win. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. And, Never, uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, we, we persist. We soldier on. Um, Michael Carter has defined lone bright spot for the Jets this season, but now he's an ankle injury heading into a dream matchup with the Texans. Denny, this is right up your alley. If Carter can't go, <laughs> is it going to be Ty Johnson or Tevin Coleman season for the Jets? Oh man, it it'll probably I think it'll be Tevin Coleman season and I know you don't love to hear that. No. But I sadly think I agree too. Yeah. So Coleman was second on the team against Miami with five rushing attempts behind Carter's nine attempts. Um they each of the three Jets running backs saw one target from Joe Flacco, so we are we are beyond the Mike White days. As as you know, as we remember for years, Mike White dumped it off. Yeah, I mean, my kids are you know, my kids are young. When they like, think back on like the football they loved from their youth, they'll it's think of be Mike White. They'll think of Mike White targeting Michael Carter eleven times in one half, <laughs> which was which was the <laughs> which was the peak of my life. That's what um, made my kids football fans. Yes, and uh, but no, we don't have that anymore with 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 Flacco. And by the way. Yeah, if the Jets want to win some games down the stretch, and they probably shouldn't for draft reasons, no, but shouldn't. 
if they want to win, they need to keep playing Flacco over Zach. You love Flacco, man. I don't you love him. You love you. You were you were the one furthering the narrative well, that Jalen Hurts might get benched for Flacco. I, um, I mean, he's he's pretty decent for fantasy and and uh and i mean i'm not talking about playing joe flag i'm not saying use him i'm just saying he gets the ball to the to his pass he's catching. good for the weapons there's no we doubt could about not it. say that about zach wilson not even close anyway yeah so i think it would be tevin coleman but honestly the answer is probably nobody <laughs> and in this jets backfield if michael carter misses time. well it is the texans though i mean i think both this is the state of running back. they'll probably both be in the top 40 I, I'm going to dive into it later in this week, but one of them is going to be in the top 36. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be Tevin Coleman, man, which I just, maybe I should just stop doing the article. If I have to rank Tevin Coleman as a flex, I think I might just not do the article this week. You're going to have to have more than two beers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to tell the powers that be. I just, it's you know, holiday week. I just don't have enough time to do the article. Like I know we're a fantasy football website and you know, like, People really, really depend on this, but I'm just, I'm just not going to do the article this week. Hey. I'm like, all right, well, uh, you're fired. I'm like, well, <laughs> at least I didn't have to rank Tevin Coleman as a flex play. And, and, and that, that's what matters in the end. That is what matters in the end. Principles. Principles that's right. are what matter. When Allen Robinson inactive, Darnell Mooney finally asserted himself as the Bears' top weapon against the Ravens. Denny catching five of a career-high 16 targets for 121 yards and a 60-yard touchdown. We would like to see better efficiency, Denny, but with Robinson probably out for Thanksgiving against the Lions, is it Darnell Mooney wide receiver two season? Uh, look, if if Mooney can get twenty five targets in a game, he might be able to get one hundred and fifty yards. I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, nevertheless, it, it is. It is. I I just was dying to make that joke because he caught five of sixteen targets against against the Ravens. But wow. yeah, six, sixteen targets. That's good for a, a, a many would call it a solid. 49% target share. People are saying on the day, which is just outrageous. Um, we're talking like Devontae Adams territory there. So he now Mooney now has 31 targets over his past three games. And you know, something that I think is is hopeful uh is that his yards per target has hovered over that three-game stretch between six and seven yards. So it's not the the 11, 12, 13, 14 yards per target that we saw him get last year and those lead to splash plays and, and sometimes big plays downfield when you have a quarterback who can deliver it to you. But uh, this, these low yards, lower yards per target, I should say uh, means that he's getting more catchable, uh, you know, balls that, that can give him a fantasy floor week in and week out, especially with this sort of volume with Robinson out. You were, for a second, you were saying yards per target and I was thinking yards per route run. I'm like, I don't think he's averaging eight yards per route run. No, no, he's not doing that. <laughs> no, and what was really crazy about this usage yesterday, though, is he entered halftime with only four targets. And Justin Fields barely played in the second half, so he got like 10 to 12 targets from Andy Dalton in two quarters. So maybe you're kind of hoping that it's Andy Dalton on Thanksgiving if you're a Darnell Mooney manager. But I also think Justin Fields would get home with Darnell Mooney against the Lions. Um the Ravens, we kind of talked about last year, just a horrible matchup for Allen Robinson with the way they blitz. He wasn't ready to handle that. Uh, Andy Dalton Andy Dalton did what you're supposed to do against the Ravens, which is hit big plays against their really, really shaky secondary. Um, so it might be slightly better for Darnell Mooney's Week 12 odds if it's Andy Dalton under center. But I, I think I'll have him in the top 24, even if it's Justin Fields, because as we talk about the Lions, unless you're Baker Mayfield, the Lions will get you out of whatever slump you happen to be in and you can do whatever you want to do on offense. Yeah. I mean, Mooney has so uh, little competition for targets and, and that's, that's critical. Even, even though, you know, he is, he is extremely talented and, and bears coaches have been talking him up for two years now as, as a, a, a big play receiver. I don't know if he fits the profile of like an alpha type receiver, but with nobody else there, it's uh, it's looking pretty good for him to, once again, see a bunch of looks against Detroit. He might not be an alpha because he would be he would be very comparable to the size of everyone on the NBC Sports Edge podcast. You know, <laughs> you don't usually want that from an nope. alpha receiver. Denny nope. um, Brandon Ayuk caught six passes for 85 yards and a touchdown, at least that, for the second time in three weeks. He commanded a 31.8% target share against the Jaguars. 
as Debo Samuel went full Cordero Patterson and took eight carries out of the backfield, caught only one pass. Uh, So strange things going on in this 49ers offense as it gets fully established. But are we getting back to wide receiver three territory with Brandon Ayuk, or is it just going to be too volatile in this run-based offense? Yeah, I mean, he was fortunate uh, against the Jags to to, to catch that touchdown and to get involved early before it was a blow. Because we know – if we know one thing about Kyle Shanahan, it's that he doesn't want to score too many points. No, never a fan um, of that. No. Right. So once you have a two score lead, then you stop trying to score points. And that's the Shanahan way. Um, There's a gentlemanly way to play this game. Yes, that is. And it is. And it's it's nice. Chivalry. It's it not is. Dead. It's, it's not dead. Chivalry is not dead. Shanahan shows that every week. <laughs> Uh, so Brandon Ayuk has run a route on 95% of the Niners dropbacks over the past three weeks basically everyone which is more than more than any other receiver including Debo Samuel he's out targeted Debo 19 to 15 over that span Ayuk has been targeted on 22% of his pass routes over those three games Debo has been targeted on 17% of his pass routes over that stretch so crazy yeah i mean Ayuk's not getting 7 8 9 carries out of the backfield which is tremendous usage for Debo this is not a knock against Debo but it it seems like the you know, the fantasy points on this offense are going to be uh, very concentrated between Debo, Kittle, and and uh, and Brandon Ayuk. His usage is, is fantastic since he got out of the doghouse. This, Debo, there's kind of strange things going on. I wonder if Debo could be like entering like this weird realm where he's let, like, he's going to be fantasy relevant, of course, but like his fantasy floor and ceiling go lower as his like real value, real life value yeah. increases. Like playing these like kind of crazy Swiss Army touches for the 49ers offense. So just just something to watch with Debo Samuel because he was extremely valuable in real and, and in fantasy yesterday. He did get the touchdown, but only one catch, just kind of strange things going on there. Um and Kyle Shanahan, we will I mean had gotta give a look. I mean, Kyle Shanahan was like he was like making the entire nation the Joker during 49ers. Everyone you went on Twitter, was like, just please make it stop. Anything other than what you're doing. I know. I know. I mean, he didn't. He didn't force Jimmy Garoppolo to miss a wide open Jeff Wilson in the end zone. No. In the first quarter, he didn't force that. But besides that, uh, his his offensive uh, usage and uh, uh, style was uh, very jokerifying. You're right. It was like, and it's still not great for fantasy right now. But it's at least like actually now like uh, looking like a well run offense again and. Got to give some props to that because he finally, even for him, was scoring too like too few points. Like, all right, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yes. Got to actually score some points now. <laughs> uh, Denny and I will be right back with yeah. We we hope you're right. We've been working on this all season. Just the perfect five round draft. So so uh, much we, work. We hope you're ready for it. We'll be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Get an edge in your fantasy league with player rankings, projections, tiers, and alerts for players on your team or who you are eyeing up on the waiver wire by signing up for NBC Sports Edge Plus and do it at a discount. Use the promo code GOOD10 and get 10% off your annual subscription. That is GOOD10 for 10% off NBC Sports Edge Plus. The NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, has you covered with Sunday Night 7. This week, you'll have a chance to win $1.1 million. It starts Thanksgiving night between the Bills and Saints, and starting on Sunday night, we're giving away $1 million every week for the remainder of the regular season, and that contest is live right now. So download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. Denny, we're so – like I've got just a lot of notes here um, on this. Yeah. And so now what, what, what is the exercise here now? We're yeah. going <laughs> to go back through August ADP and like look at 1 through 12 basically and – are we going to do this by round? Like, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. By so round. we're not going to be like, Jonathan, we're not going to be like Cooper Cup in the second round. Or as, no, no, no. Listen, as we've talked about for the past six weeks, we are we are going to uh, do this round by round and pick the player <laughs> who 
you know, who would who would best who you know who would emerge from the round as the best player. And we're not going to do it from the start of the draft. We're not gonna we're not gonna be picking from a specific part of the draft, I should say. Just just the round. So should we should I list one through twelve and then or how do you want to do this? Well, here's here's I, I'll I'll lead it here. All right, so we're gonna we're in a twelve team league. Uh, first twelve picks uh, were you know McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Henry, Elliott, Adams, Kelsey, Jones, Barkley, Eckler, Taylor, and Chubb. Now I think I think I we know can come to an agreement that it has to be Jonathan Taylor. It does. It does. And yeah. I mean he's even if Derrick Henry was healthy, would it be Jonathan Taylor at this point? Yeah. I mean, maybe not. It, it would be a debate, but he's definitely catching. He's still not catching as many passes as he should be catching, but he was catching more passes than Derrick Henry's ever caught at any point. He's a very – Jonathan Taylor, like, to the eye, to, is, like, a clearly good pass catcher. Yes. And, like, he's made Marlon Mack a healthy scratch. Even with Marlon Mack a healthy scratch, Naheem Hines' role is not getting bigger. And, yeah, I don't see how even if Derrick Henry were healthy, Jonathan Taylor's so much more efficient. He's in a better overall offense. Yeah, I think it would have to be Jonathan Taylor as the first round pick. I mean, people are talking about a running back as the NFL MVP. You know, this this doesn't doesn't happen every day. And and if and if you look at the other guys, we're, it's just tons of injuries. It's Aaron Jones, uh, who went a few picks before Taylor. You know, injured Saquon Barkley missed a bunch of time. Obviously, uh, Derrick Henry done for the season. Kamara's missed two games now. Dalvin Cook missed some time. CMC missed what three or three and a half games. So more than that, yeah. I, I feel like the only other yeah. choices would really be Eckler or maybe Kelsey. Yeah, that's right. It came down for me. It came down to Eckler and Taylor, and obviously Taylor is the play. So we end up with Taylor in round one. Okay, so round two starts off with receivers: Tyree Kill, Stephen Diggs, then uh, Najee Harris, Hopkins. The pick, the pick Najee Harris. Anyways, continue. The pit, you think he's okay? Well, Maybe right. I actually don't know who's behind I, him. I, I I do not. Uh, we have Gibson, Patrick Mahomes at eighteen <laughs> overall, disastrous. <laughs> Calvin Ridley at nineteen, disastrous for other reasons. Uh, Metcalf, Mixon, Waller, Jefferson, and then AJ Brown. So yeah, I, there's some I choices would, there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's clearly Tyreek Hill. I was, well, say you can consider Tyreek Hill. You can consider Najee Harris. You can consider Joe Mixon, and you can consider Justin Jefferson. Um, but you think it's clearly Tyreek Hill? Yeah, I mean, uh, as as far as like consistent production as like a as like a weird stat compiler in the new Kansas City offense, the underneath stuff. I, yeah, I mean, Justin Jefferson like one weeks yesterday, but there were there were a, yeah. there was a lot of frustration for three or four weeks there. That's true. I guess you don't want to go full robust RB with Jonathan Taylor and Joe Mixon and Tyreek Hill is kind of in a weird way been like the receiver version of Jonathan Taylor, at least from like a dependability perspective. Yeah. It's weird. Like the ceiling is essentially gone. It is. But yeah, every week, six or seven reception, you can make a pretty big argument for Najee Harris too, I feel like, but uh, there's going to be other running back values. I'm assuming Tyree kill does make a lot of sense for the second round. All right. So we have Taylor in the first, we have Tyreek in the second. We're on to the third round, which starts with Clyde Edwards Elaire. Uh, that's I think that's the pick. <laughs> Something. Uh, we have Kittle, who is not it. We have Keenan Allen, who is not it, even though he's been hot lately. Uh, McLaurin, then Josh Allen, then your guy David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson at thirty-one overall. Man, you know every year that happens, where there's a guy who hadn't, hadn't even really been hurt, like he's finally hurt now. There's this like becomes bad and Allen Robinson is kind of just the became bad pick. Yep. Yep. Uh, Chris Carson after him, CD lamb, James Robinson, Mike Evans, and then Josh Jacobs. So does it come down to McLaurin and I mean, Keenan Allen, to be honest, I mean, Keenan McLaurin or CD lamb, probably honestly, CD lamb or Keenan Allen. I feel like, um, uh, really not. It's not, it cannot be CD lamb. I, I mean, in terms, he might have more overall points than uh, Keenan Allen right now. Um, in fact, he probably does. Maybe I, not. Uh, I there's no I, way to find out. I mean, um, we are looking. We're looking into it. The interns are scrambling. And, are. Uh, let's see here. Uh, no, yeah, CD Lamb is more averaging more points per game than Keenan Allen, Denny. Yeah, um, yeah the folks are shocked. Um, I think I, I would say the pick is CD Lamb because he. He's not as consistent or as dependable as Keenan Allen, who's now getting 12 or 13 targets every week again. But CD has a, a, a pretty decent usage floor. 
And he's actually – we're not getting spiked weeks from Tyreek Hill right now, Denny. So we, we need to mix in some spiked True. weeks from CeeDee Lamb. All right, all right. All right, you've, you've convinced me. Uh, so we start with Jonathan Taylor, Tyreek Hill, CeeDee Lamb. We're looking good. We're on to round number four, which starts with DeAndre Swift. I think I see the pick at number at number 37 in DeAndre Swift. Yeah, probably, because we have Miles Sanders, Robert Woods, Kyla Murray, all of whom are not going to be it. Amari Cooper, not it. Chris Godwin, absolutely not. Well, Lamar. Oh, never mind. I see the oh, pick. And, and then we have Cooper <laughs> Cup at 44. There, that's the one. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Cooper Cup at 44, yes. And th- remember, this is what? Uh, how many picks after? Uh, this is f- six picks after Robert Woods. So that's how good that we are as a as a community of fantasy football enthusiasts. At <laughs> players. Um, I think it's longer than that after Robert. No, wait, so Cooper Cup was the number 44. Yeah, okay. It was six picks. Um, yeah. Number 44 overall player by ADP. Uh, has there ever been like that game changing of a pick of, uh, I mean, I guess there has. Been, well, but. yeah, yeah, I probably, I can't think of any at the moment, but I'm sure they um, exist, but yeah, definitely there have been guys who just emerge. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we, we talked in the summer about how like, you know, a lot of, a lot of slot receivers had thrived with, Matthew Stafford, but that was something we had you look into because I'm like, has a slot receiver ever played well with Matthew Stafford? And then you're like, oh yeah, actually, like all the time. Yeah, and, and but not like this though, not this sort of like nuclear um, production. But yeah, so we we're going running back and then three receivers in a row here in our in our perfect draft. So, so we we're have kind Jonathan of boxing Hill. ourselves in. I wonder if we should change the Tyreek Hill pick to Joe Mixon. Why, or, why are you uh, going with Joe Mixon? The, dude, he's like, it's, it's he's not like, even close. He's close. <laughs> he is close. He's having a monster year, actually. Our, Najee Harris, I think maybe we should change the second round pick to Najee Harris. Uh, are, are you looking at their total points compared to Tyreek Hill? I mean, I guess not. I don't know. Let's do let's do the fifth round pick. All uh, right. Man, by the way, wide receiver, or excuse me, ADP 48 was Miles Gaskin. Yeah. Uh, 46 was Kyle Pitts. Uh, that's oh. what the scene is getting tough. Yeah, I don't I don't love to think about that. Um, all right, we're on to round number five. Correct. Yes. Five. With this, the final round. This is the fateful round. Are we, we going to get a tight end? Are we going to get a running back? Who are we going to get here? Right. Anymore? So we have Mark Andrews leading off this round, and then Adam Thielen, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. Ay. Oh no! Don't um, say the next one out loud. Michael Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Davis. Oh, uh, Kareem Hunt. T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, Daryl Henderson and Javante oh, Williams. That was interesting. I didn't remember Daryl Henderson's ADP being that high, actually. Me neither. But who are we going? We're going with Deontay John. No, well, we, well, we can't. Or can we? I was going to say maybe Mark Andrews, to be honest. Um, yeah. Um, or Daryl Henderson. I mean, I, I can't remember what running back Easter eggs await us. I'm sure there's probably some like truly insane running back values. So probably don't need to force it with daryl henderson i would say we would go mark andrews me too yes mark andrews is averaging 15 and a half ppr points per game that is about 1.2 points per game less than travis kelsey this season and and yeah i mean you you the skeptics may say but you but there were there were huge games against the colts and and somebody else i can't remember at the moment and yeah, it's true, but you you got that, and those probably won you your week. Like yeah, you, your tight end posting forty points is not not a bad thing. Many are saying it's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's called fantasy football, and he's been furnishing a pretty nice floor every week. He's been mixing in way more ceiling of late over the past month with more touchdowns, and you know, very super volatile position beyond Travis Kelsey because I mean, even Darren Waller is not doing it every week. No, T.J. Hawkinson is getting killed by the offense he's in. See real quick what some of these crazier ADPs are as we end yeah. the show. Today. Another thing about about Andrews is that even though the 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 start of the season was a little bit slow, he was running routes and being targeted at rates that we had not seen before. So like 2020 was very disappointing for Andrews drafters because he was still sort of like a part time player in that offense, but between becoming a full time route runner and the Ravens offense becoming far more balanced this year, meaning more passing uh, has led to this, this spike. And he has, he has an outside shot, honestly, you know, he's what 30 points behind Travis Kelsey. So like an outside, outside shot at tight end one overall, I'm just saying. 
Yeah, you can maybe, maybe, maybe catch him. And as you were talking, I was going through trying to look for hilarious ADPs. And I mean, this is like the most sober, straightforward year for ADP. I can people drafted very, very well this year, actually. I mean, there's some really unfortunate stuff like Kenny Galladay, wide receiver 30, Robbie Anderson, wide receiver 32, but that was all defensible. I mean, Gus Edwards is RB 27. I'm not seeing anything that just stands out as like laugh out loud funny. I see and, something uh, that's funny. Tell, lay it on us. Trey Sermon at RB32. I mean, that, yeah, that's true. And that one, there were the people who was first guessing that one too, actually. And like a, a fourth round, or what was he, a third round rookie? Uh, yeah, based on not a whole lot other than his draft position. Uh, right. Some of those warning lights began to flash even in the summer for Trey Sermon. That, that's a pretty bad. Trey Sermon, by the way. Uh, one pick ahead of Debo Samuel. By um, another you, right, right. Uh, another very terrible, a terrible ADP, and I and I kind of thought this at the time was Jalen Hurts going at ninety five overall, QB twelve. Jalen Hurts is now the QB one overall in fantasy uh, over Josh Allen, over Mahomes, over everybody. So uh, it's um, that that never made sense to me. I guess the the only the only way that he would not Jalen Hurts would not be a top five quarterback was if he got benched. And I guess like we said at the beginning of the show, that was that seemed like a possibility. But now he's on his way, you know, potentially to being the top scoring quarterback in all of fantasy. Yeah, Hurts was like kind of like the ultimate sharp pick. I didn't get much Hurts. It's kind of the you have to be comfortable. Like Hertz is the ultimate, like you just laser in on the upside. You know, everyone in football has like major downside and like this injury type sport. And I'm sure lots of smart people ended up with lots of Jalen Hurts, probably lots of Jamar Chase too. Yeah. Like instead of focusing on like one or two like beat writer observations from August, probably focused on more his inst- instead his insane upside. And same thing with Jalen Hurts. Yeah. QB 12. Uh, they're going behind Ryan Tannehill, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yes. I mean, in, in hindsight, that that may be the most egregious ADP in all of a redraft. I would have never done that, by the way. I actually, and I'm not even saying that as a joke. You would never have caught me dead drafting Ryan Tannehill. Oh, I know. Believe me, uh, I, I I believe that 100. percent But that is all the time we have for today. Hopefully, that exercise was in some way valuable. Uh, maybe it wasn't. It was fun. It was you fun. Know, and and we, we you need your content. So was, we, that was we, content. Gave, we gave you your content. We did. And yeah, we're, like I said, we're pro- Thanksgiving takes. We're just going to be flowing all week, I think. Um, so yeah, we get Kyle in tomorrow for our first of two preview shows. We preview the Thanksgiving slate. And I mean, the young man, has he ever even celebrated Thanksgiving before? He's so young. I mean, he might not <laughs> he even know what it's all about. So we're, we're going to have to tell him. him. We're going to have to tell him about the history of Thanksgiving. So that should be fun. Yeah, uh, the start. Google William Bradford, um, Kyle DeVorch. I think he was one of the, the settlers uh, who was involved in that. Uh, I have no idea. But anyways, that's all the time we have for today. For Denny, I am Pat. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back all week. Thank you for listening. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.